0: Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken.
1: Aloha, good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. We are living in a strange and scary time right now with the novel coronavirus, now called COVID-19, making its way around the world and basically changing life as we know it. These changes, this disease, is causing almost everybody to feel anxiety and some fear. So the question is, how do we deal with that anxiety and fear? And that's what we're going to talk about today on Island Conversations, which you may hear on the radio on KWXX and B97B93 on Sundays, and on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Fridays. Island Conversations is posted as a podcast for any time listening, wherever you get podcasts. Just look for Island Conversations or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. My guest today is Dr. Catherine May, who is a clinical psychologist and the behavioral health director with West Hawaii Community Health Center. Dr. May got her bachelor's and master's at the University of Sussex and her psych D from the University of Surrey. As you will hear when she speaks, Dr. May is from the UK, but she's lived in Hawaii for about 10 years. Aloha, good morning, Dr. May. Good morning, thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm really, really happy to have you here because with what's going on right now in our world, People feel a lot of either very generalized anxiety or sometimes specific anxiety over potential loss of job or the stock market, finances, concern over getting the disease. There's just a whole lot of things that are causing people to be concerned. So talk to us about anxiety. Right. The first thing to say is that anxiety is a really normal response to what's going
2: on. We don't have a guidebook on how to respond to COVID-19. Most folks are going to experience some kind of anxiety reaction, and that's really normal. So I think the first thing to say about it is an acknowledgement that this is something that we will be experiencing.
1: And you know it's not just us here, it's the entire world that is going through this, which is a pretty strange thing. Right, it's kind of like we're having a worldwide panic attack at the same time.
2: And so it's a very unusual circumstance, it's nothing that we've really ever seen before, at
1: least in modern time. Talk a little bit more about anxiety, because it actually affects us physically as well as emotionally. Right, right. So anxiety is a
2: reflex response. It happens without our conscious awareness. And it's a reaction that is designed to keep us safe from danger. So it happens when the body senses some kind of threat. And we have this response that's called the fight, flight or freeze response. It's when we're going to try and protect ourselves, let's say from a bear that we come across walking in the woods, we're going to want to fight to protect ourselves, run away, or freeze and hide. This response is very good. It protects us from danger. However, it's not a response that's designed to be prolonged. It's really a short-lived response system. And what we're seeing with COVID-19 is that this anxiety response is being triggered for a long period of time, and that this is not a healthy reaction for people. It compromises immune systems, it disrupts sleep, it exacerbates other mental health symptoms like depression and it can cause a lot of physiological symptoms that can cause people to become very distressed. The thing with anxiety is it mimics quite significant health concerns. The fight-flight response triggers heart palpitations, shortness of breath, shakiness, jitteriness, butterflies in our stomach, stomach upset. Some people even vomit or have diarrhea as a result of anxiety. So, these physiological symptoms that happen as the result of anxiety can cause people to become really quite concerned for their physical health and not understand that they're necessarily having a psychological reaction, but become confused and think that it's a physical reaction.
1: Well, one of my friends, when I mentioned I was going to be talking with you, said she watches the news, and after a couple of hours of that, she actually does get tightness in her chest and feels like she's maybe going to have a heart attack, or maybe she really does have COVID-19. Right. So how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you get over having those physical symptoms? Because I think all of us are having that. Right. I think we're a nation
2: experiencing these symptoms. Yes, this tightness of chest, this dizziness, these are all really common symptoms. And before COVID-19, I had patients that would present at the ER thinking that they were having a heart attack or that there was something physically wrong with them, only to be told that it was anxiety. So we know this happens already. It's just that the incidence of it is increasing with COVID-19. And I think today we're going to talk about some strategies that people can put in place to understand what anxiety is, recognize that these symptoms, though they may feel physical, are in fact psychological, and that there are some really simple techniques that we can use that will help reduce our physiological response to
1: stress and help us through this time. Which is good, because that also will help us determine whether we really are having a heart attack or whether it's just sort of a psychological response. And, you know, I think that the situation for us is not helped by the fact that we have conflicting guidance or no guidance from our political leadership at both the state and federal and county level. People don't really know what to do. Yeah, So. Give us some guidance.
2: Yeah, and I think without guidance, people really feel insecure. You know, we need structure. We need this guidebook on how to respond to COVID. And without it, we seek out information that may not be correct. People turn to the internet, they look for resources online, and that just really exacerbates and heightens the anxiety response. So we do need leadership to give us good, clear, decisive directions on how to react to this, what to do, whether to self-isolate, to quarantine, and how to respond to that. I think there are some really simple techniques and things that people can do at home, though, to mitigate the anxiety response to COVID-19, um, okay, and we can talk about those oh Well, let's talk about them. <laughs> okay. Tell us what to do. So let's jump in. I think the first thing that we wanna think about is really limiting media exposure. You know, having, having news broadcasting 24 hours a day in our living rooms is really just gonna exacerbate that fight-flight response. And your mind, even if you're not paying attention to it, subconsciously, you're gonna be hearing these words, scary COVID, you know, just this language, fear, scary, frightening. All of those words are going to be filtering into our brain. So we're going to be hearing that language. So limiting how much time we spend accessing media coverage. It's important to stay informed at this time. Absolutely, I'm not suggesting that you bury your head in the sand and don't listen to news sources at all. But I'm advising folks to limit that maybe to a 30-minute period of time in the morning and a 30-minute period of time in the evening. Get the highlights of the day. Don't leave the television on running all day long because it's really going to exacerbate the symptoms.
1: One day last week, I did just that. It was, um, I think, the morning after the President's Wednesday evening address when he really first acknowledged that this is a very serious situation. And I was sort of alternating between watching what I had taped on Fox News and CNN, sort of like two different ways to approach it. And I realized myself after having that on, I was more anxious than I should have been. Right. Bruce Anderson, the Director of Health for the State of Hawaii, and Lieutenant Governor Josh Green were two guests who were on PBS Insights last Thursday evening. Bruce Anderson was saying, because this is a disease for which we do not actually have a vaccine, if it were, everybody would get vaccinated and then we would get through it. But he said, you have to recognize that probably most of us ultimately will get it most people will have mild symptoms, mild to moderate, and then most people will therefore develop an immunity. And I thought, well, gee, when I was growing up, I had the measles, the mumps, chicken pox, all of that. They didn't have vaccines then, and I got those things, and I'm therefore immune to those diseases. So, It feels like that, even though this is a disease that we just don't know that much about. Right. We don't know much about it. And, you know, I I know
2: that there are scientists working around the clock to help us develop a vaccination. You know, I think that will be really helpful when it comes out. You know, herd immunity is a whole different topic. But today, I think you make a really good point about how we cognitively process what's going on with COVID-19. If we're watching news outlets that are talking about entire families that have been killed by COVID-19, that's an automatic thought, a cognitive message that we are sending to ourselves. Actually, you do make a valid point. A lot of folks are going to get COVID-19 and be perfectly okay. So when we're getting those anxiety thoughts, when we're having thoughts of, this is something that could potentially kill my entire family, we have to use some balanced thinking strategies to say, hang on a second, let's look at the evidence, let's seek out appropriate resources to say, a lot of folks are gonna get this and be okay, and there is a lot that I can do in the meantime to help my family stay safe and to mitigate the effects. So really using those sensible, logical thinking patterns rather than exacerbating anxiety thoughts managing anxiety is really going to help a lot of folks get through this. If we can mitigate the effects of anxiety and strengthen our immune systems, that's just going to be helpful. And returning to the point that we were talking about earlier in terms of anxiety symptoms, mimicking health symptoms, the patients that I worked with before COVID-19, one of the things that I would say to them is that the strategies we can use to manage anxiety will help with not only anxiety, but they will help with physical symptoms. They help lower blood pressure. They help lower um, A1C levels. They can really help support us with good sleep. All of these things that we want to be focusing on right now to keep our community as healthy and as happy as possible during this time. And that's really where I think we should focus on helping people be.
1: So tell us more about what we can do. Particularly you talked about people being isolated and we're told to self-isolate and people are doing that. and. As has been stated forever, social contacts are good for people. It helps you be healthy, but we don't have that in the same way now. So how do we how do we deal when we're pretty much dealing with it by ourselves or with our just immediate family? Right, right. You know, we're social
2: beings. And so I think interacting with people is what we want to do naturally. I think utilizing alternative ways to meet people, to interact with people using telephone conversations at a time when people often communicate via text message, email, instant messenger, but taking time to slow down to have a phone conversation with folks. Uh, I reached out to a friend recently who I hadn't seen for three months. She lives two miles down the road from me and she lives alone and so I just spent some time talking to her, processing our anxieties together there really is such a value in talking about how we're feeling to a trusted friend. And we can do that via different ways these days. My children this morning had a FaceTime playdate with their cousins in Memphis. My children are at home out of school right now. And it's a way for them to get that kind of social interaction in a different way. My son got really excited about showing off his latest Lego project to his cousins. So we can get creative in how we do that. But Talking is important. Research shows that if we can talk about how we feel, the physiological response to distress is reduced. Merely saying the words, I feel anxious today, has a difference neurologically in the distress that we experience related to that. So even if you don't have anyone to call, even if you don't have anyone to reach out to, saying those words out loud to yourself can help mitigate the reaction. Writing down, using journals right now, using
1: these sort of strategies to release some of the feelings that we have can really help people. Some of the information you sent me said that it still is important to maintain some kind of a routine. Right, absolutely. A lot of folks are out of work right now. They don't have
2: much structure to their day. Some of the patients that I'm speaking to right now are saying that their symptoms of depression are being worsened because they don't really have anything to get up for. As much as possible, if you can create a structure in your day, even if it's a somewhat artificial one, that's really gonna help us. We know that the act of getting up, getting up and out, it really helps us stay on track. That's also really gonna help us sleep, which I think a lot of folks are saying is disrupted right now, is if we can keep a sleep routine, going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, keeping those circadian rhythms In sync, that's going to help us as well. Parents stuck at home with children at the moment who are out of school, that whole routine is disrupted. But finding creative ways of saying, okay, it's 9am, this is going to be our time where we jump around and dance to Taylor Swift. Whatever it is that you come up with, take time to go and work in the yard create these little routines to your day,
1: that's also really going to help. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Today, we're talking with Dr. Catherine May, clinical psychologist with West Hawaii Community Health Center, about ways we can manage the anxiety and stress we are probably all feeling right now. Next week, we're going to talk about something that is going on despite COVID-19, and that is the United States Census. Before we get back to our conversation, let's hear from our sponsor, KTA Superstores, one of the many stores on our island that is setting up special kupuna hours for shopping.
0: At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all over Local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA.
1: And one other note before we get back to our discussion. We at New West Broadcasting are very committed to bringing you accurate, up-to-date news. So be sure to check our website, kwxx.com, for the news of the day. We are verifying it all before we post it, kwxx.com. And now, back to Dr. Catherine May of West Hawaii Community Health Center. We're talking about how to manage anxiety. I know that exercise is good. And even if we're isolating, you can still go out for a walk. If you're going to go with someone else, just stay apart from them. Stay arm's length from folks. Stay at an arm's length.
2: Yeah. The act of getting up and out and exercising, especially first thing in the morning, getting a boost of sunshine on us, it's really going to help. I heard this great story out of Italy where an apartment building of individuals, there was one dog and the restrictions allowed folks to be outside exercising if they were walking a dog. And so this apartment building basically shared this one dog who got more walks than it had ever had in its life because they would just trade off and all be taking this dog for a walk. I think stories like that show that we want to do activities to get us out.
1: What you mentioned about Italy also shows that you still can have community. Right, even in isolation. Right, and we're hearing wonderful stories about people finding
2: ways to come together, to connect. I have girlfriends who I communicate with internationally. Some are in Australia, some are in Britain, some are here in America. We have a WhatsApp group that we talk and send video messages. So there's these great ways to socialize, to interact. I think it's time for us to get creative, to have fun with it. And also know that it's an opportunity for us to slow down and to have these longer conversations conversations with people that we might not have been able to reach out to for some time. Call someone that you haven't spoken to for some time, they're probably at home, and have time to talk. So keep those connections going as much as possible.
1: You have children with your husband, Dane. How old are your children? I have a one-year-old daughter, Amelia, and I have a six-year-old son, Sebastian. Some of the questions I got are from people who have children or grandchildren ages one to five or six age range. One question specifically was that her three and five-year-old grandchildren had no interest whatsoever in anything having to do with germs. They just wanted to go to the park and play and go to movies, which of course they can't do because our movie theaters are shut down. Talk about techniques for dealing with the little children and then also let's move into the middle school and older teenagers. Right. So let's start with the little ones.
2: Okay, I think the first thing to say about communicating with children is that they pick up on things. So the same strategies that apply to adults apply to children, limiting their media exposure, not having the news on 24 hours a day. They're gonna be hearing this language too. They're gonna to be looking to their parents to be a meter to... To them to show them how they are supposed to react to this so if we can take care of ourselves and respond to their questions in a calm way that's really going to help them through this and support them through this. Asking your children what they know already is a good place to start. Not being afraid to talk to them about it. They'll have questions, they'll have heard things. So really starting with, what have you heard? What are your concerns? Giving them space to talk. Like I was saying earlier, talking is a way that we process our emotions. So it's really good for them to do it too. Don't try and hide it from them. Talk to them about it. With the younger keiki, they're going to have a more difficult time understanding the bigger picture. They're very self-focused prior to the age of five, so the world kind of revolves around them. So really using very simple language to explain it, focusing on the things that they can do the doctors are telling us that the best way to stay safe is to wash our hands. So we're going to have fun with this and we're going to wash our hands together. With both of my children, we've done a version of the baby shark song. So we do <laughs> wash your hands, do, 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 do. And so they both love that. We moved away from singing the happy birthday song because they were expecting cake at the end. So we <laughs> <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> right. But using these fun strategies and processing, using language that is calm and safe and age appropriate.
1: How do you explain to a Five or six-year-old, no, you cannot go play with your friends? I think it's really about explaining the reality of what's going
2: on, that we're trying to limit the spread of this illness, that there isn't a vaccination yet. A lot of kids that age will have experienced vaccinations. So kind of sharing the reasons for doing it, we're doing this to keep you safe and seeking out those alternative ways to interact with friends. The conversations that I have with my son are around, we know that this coronavirus is there, we know that it's out there and that it's hurting some people. So in a way to keep you safe, we're keeping you home and away from different people. And then I ask him, what are some ways that you know how to keep yourself well? He knows that getting good sleep is a way to keep ourselves well, eating well all of these strategies washing our hands these are all things that we've talked about already and so he has those tools that he knows that he can take care of that It is hard, you know, he misses his friends. This is spring break right now, so it feels a little more normal to be out of school. But as the weeks progress, it's gonna be harder for him not to interact socially. So we have to get creative as parents. But if we show fear and anxiety to our children, they are gonna see that as the reaction that they need to be having. So as much as possible, if we can take care of our own anxieties, then we're able to talk to them in a way that is age appropriate.
1: So let's talk about the older ones. I know that everybody may have seen kids on spring break in Florida essentially saying, eh, not going to bother me, which, of course, it is going to bother them if it happens. Right. So how do we take the ones who are more connected with social media, with their friends, with their networks, from 12 on up, how do we help them understand this in a way without saying, because I say so? Right. Because that never (laughs) works. Right. You know, this is an age group when adolescents really
2: wanna socialize. It's gonna be hard for them to understand why they can't do that. But unlike smaller children, they do have a greater sense of society. They have a bigger picture. And so I think speaking to that, sharing with them that the isolation is not just for them, but it's to protect a beloved family member. It's to help protect auntie or tutu, that these are things that they will understand. Plus, we have a tech savvy generation. These guys know how to FaceTime, they know how to use these different platforms. So really encouraging that as a form of interaction. And maybe this is not the time to limit cell phone use for our teens, probably a time to
1: encourage them to reach out to their friends that way. Some friends who have, I think it's like 18 and 24 year old. They said the kids were very disdainful of this for a while, but suddenly have started realizing based on, I guess, people they respect or their celebrity role models, suddenly acknowledging that this is a thing. Right. The power of social media. Kylie Jenner, I think, just
2: advised her followers to stay in. Good. It was interesting. She was sharing that she experienced social isolation during her pregnancy. She didn't want to be exposed to the media during that time. So the irony is that she has some really good, tips on how to uh, stay socially isolated. And we see a lot of these celebrity Insta celebs sharing these tips with their supporters.
1: I know that you've spoken about keeping our own selves healthy. Talk about anything else you think would be useful for people to know. Right. Well, I think responding to the anxiety
2: reaction that people have, that fight flight response, there are some really simple things that we can do to bring that response down. The analogy that I like to use is that anxiety is like a volcano erupting. The lava level builds up until we have an eruption. So there are some nice strategies that we can use to help bring that lava level down. One of the main things that we recommend is abdominal breathing or relaxation breathing. The great thing about this type of breathing is that it actually tells the brain that things are okay. So it switches off that fight-flight response and it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation and recovery response. So this is a system we really want to be activated right now. It's a really simple strategy. Most of us are gonna be familiar with it. It's really slowing our breathing down as much as possible, taking some nice slow inhalations through the nose and a slow exhalation out of the mouth. Most people, when I have them do this with me in session, they do a type of breathing where they take this breath in and their chest lifts up, their tummy is pulled in, and they don't look particularly relaxed. So one thing that I say to folks is you really want to imagine that you have a balloon in your belly. As you breathe in, you want that balloon to fill up with air, so your stomach is actually expanding as you breathe in, and as you breathe out, that balloon deflates. But everybody knows that breath does not go into the stomach. Right, breath is actually going into, um, into our lungs, of course, but the diaphragm is responsible for controlling our breath. If we pull our stomach in, when we breathe in, it pushes our diaphragm up and it restricts our lung capacity. So by pushing our belly out, it allows the lungs to open up, it allows us to bring air into the bottom of the lungs, clean out all of that stale air and then breathe out. If you're doing this with children, a really nice strategy is to have them breathe in through their nose and breathe out slowly as if they're blowing out birthday cake candles. Uh, There's the birthday cake. coming in again, but you can teach them to blow out really, really slowly. You can even use a straw if you like, just to encourage them to do that slow breathing.
1: Good. Dr. May, you've mentioned to me that Perhaps the people who have lived a little longer than some of the others of us, they have been through tough times before. What can we learn from their experiences that maybe we can put into practice now? Right. Well, there's the famous saying, keep calm and carry on. Oh,
2: yes. Um, You you Brits, you people from (laughs) From the UK. we, uh, We knew what we were talking about. Yeah, I think the Kapuna have actually been through a lot, and us younger folk can look to them to see how to react to this. They have a lot of resources. I don't think it's the Kapuna that are out bulk buying and panic buying at the moment. They're at home just getting on with things. I have neighbors that are tending to their yard every day, going out paddling in the morning and just using all these really healthy strategies to keep well and thrive during this time something that we can really encourage people to do, I think, is to reach out to their elderly neighbors. This is a time of increased anxiety. And so if you can reach out to a neighbor, offer to go shopping for them, random acts of kindness and altruism can be really helpful at this time. Even if you don't do it for them, doing it for yourself, that's going to boost your positive mood. So anything you can do to help others, I'd really encourage it.
1: Dr. May, there will be people who feel that they cannot handle this on their own. If they need help from a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a lot of people don't even know where to go to find one. So give us some idea of where we can find additional resources. Right. Absolutely. Great point. I think everything that
2: we've talked about today has been general strategies. If you feel like your symptoms are becoming really problematic, causing severe distress, then I encourage patients to reach out initially via phone to their primary care provider. Patients at West Hawaii Community Health Centre have access to behavioural health providers. We're on site, we're available, we can call. But your primary care doctor is usually the best place to start. Are there any online resources you can suggest? Yeah, there are a number of online resources. At the moment, there's a lot of really great apps coming out that are providing free resources for individuals to help manage stress. The Calm app has some great resources for meditation, for relaxation breathing. And that's it called Calm, C-A-L-M? C-A-L-M. And the nice thing about them is that they have age-appropriate meditation for children starting at age three. So if you're looking for something that you can use with your children, that would be a great option. Headspace has released some free meditations during the COVID-19, and they have exercise classes you can do online, guided breathing, meditation, things like that. Really, if you just Google how to manage anxiety through COVID, you're going to be sent to a whole load of really useful resources.
1: Dr. Catherine May, is there anything you'd like to add before we say aloha? Yeah, I'd like to add one more tip that people I think could
2: really use. In times like this, physical contact is something that we really seek out. The love hormone oxytocin is released when we have physical contact. One thing that people don't know is that we can actually stimulate that hormone in ourselves by giving ourselves a gentle healing touch. So if you are watching the news and you're starting to feel anxiety, I just encourage you to put a hand on your chest Put a hand on your belly or even give yourself a gentle squeeze or a hug. And that will actually stimulate the release of oxytocin, which we know is going to help calm people down. So if all else fails, just give yourself a nice reassuring hug.
1: Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Catherine May. This has been a real nice opportunity to talk with you. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope this opportunity to hear from Dr. Katherine May, clinical psychologist with Westway Community Health Center, was helpful in reminding us all we can manage our stress and anxiety during this very stressful time. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next time, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho.
0: Thank you for listening to Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.